Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9, it says this, Two are better than one, because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. And how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you right now. We pray today that you would speak to us through your word, your powerful, mighty, eternal word, Lord God, that, that ushers us to a life that lives in the kingdom of God, in your kingdom, your eternal kingdom, Lord God. We thank you. We praise you. Speak to us today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Hope Church. It's great to be with you. My name is Justin Ross. If you don't know me, I'm a member of Hope Church, but you probably don't see me very often because 11 years ago this month, my wife and I were sent out as missionaries to San Pedro Sula, Honduras. But it is an honor to be with you. I'm humbled to speak to you today. Three weeks ago, Jeff kicked us off by talking about strength in our lives. Then Meacham came in and talked about strength in God's promises and how that affects our lives. Last week, Logan did an amazing job talking about how being a doer of the word gives strength into our lives. What a powerful thing that was. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's really important to me is strength in community and in relationships. And that's why we go to Ecclesiastes. We get this incredible picture of what it looks like to have strong relationships and strong community. But let's take a little, let's take a step back. Ecclesiastes is a very interesting book in the Bible. It's most likely written by Solomon, probably toward the end of his life. Let's remember Solomon was given this incredible gift by God to be one of the wisest man on earth. I mean, imagine that. Imagine being able to tell good from bad just, just by looking at it. He had this incredible gift from God, and he used it. He used it to guide Israel into incredible things, through wealth and prosperity. But he also wrote to us. And so we're going to look at this today. One of the things in his wisdom he was able to show us, kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of earth. Good versus bad, eternal Verse earthly. And so we're going to actually jump in Ecclesiastes again, um, chapter 4, verse 7. Here we go. And again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Then he goes in and follows up with what we already read. Two are better than one because one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. He quickly paints this picture, which is so powerful of a man who has everything, he has wealth, the things of earth that would make us happy, but he doesn't have meaningful relationships. And he looks up and he cries out, why am I toiling like this? I can't celebrate this, this is meaningless. Solomon calls it a miserable existence. And then he goes directly into what it looks like to have a healthy, strong relationship, which we're gonna talk about just for, for a few minutes this morning. But, so I have this question for you, Hope Church. Do our relationships and in our community, do they represent the gospel, the strength of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
to everyone around us? Or are they weak? Are they hurtful? Are they worldly? Are they filled with grief and things that pull us down so that we can't even be happy with what God has blessed us with? That is my question for you today that we're going to walk through. So let's jump back into the scripture. It starts out with our first point. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. This is not rocket science, guys. This is simple stuff. We are more productive together. Now, Israel at the time was probably very agrarian. They had farmers. They had textiles and things like that they were making, and it just made sense. Look, if we work together, we can do this. We can do more. We're more productive. And he's just pointing that out. Alone is more of a miserable, slower existence. Look, this is the idea. Teamwork makes the dream work. That's what we would say in today's age. So, number one, more productive. Number two, this is a really cool thing. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up, okay? This is an important point to me personally, okay? We get this concept of if you hurt, I hurt. If you win, I win. And this creates the symbiotic relationship between one another. Instead of being an individual all by yourself, it creates this picture of we're linked. We're together. If you hurt, I hurt. If you win, I win. If you fall, I'm here to pick you up. If I fall, will you be there to pick me up? When we first moved to Honduras, it was really difficult. This is 11 years ago. My goodness. 11 years that we moved to Honduras and you're immediately just overwhelmed with cultural differences language differences, completely new language to us, and then ministry, where God, show us what we're going to do. And we were living in a place, we were getting robbed pretty frequently when we would leave our house, people would break in and steal things. It was kind of a crazy time, and we were starting to get discouraged. And a pastor in Honduras, with whom we were working, sat us down and looked us in the eye and said, listen, his name was Pastor Dennis Aplicano, an incredible man, looks us both in the eye and says, from here on, my house is your house. My bank account is your bank account. My car is your car. And I can't even express what that meant to me. I, we no longer felt alone. We knew that beyond the shadow of a doubt, he had grasped this humble, vulnerable, selfless position of if you win, I win. And, that's, and he reached his hand out and pulled us up. Listen, I've been around your pastors and I've been around Hope Church a lot in the past. This is an important key. And I can speak this specifically about Logan and Jeff. They hurt for you when you hurt. They are in pain when you're in pain. When I speak to Jeff and he says, so-and-so has cancer or so-and-so's dealing with this, there's a family issue here. If you look in his eyes, you know he feels that and it's reflected in his prayers for each of us and you all as well. It's a powerful thing. I encourage you to return it to them, to the leadership of Hope Church. Come back and say, Jeff, if you win, I win. How can I help you win? How can I serve here? How can I do this? We've got the Joash chest coming up in a couple of weeks. Think about this. Hope Church is a beacon of light to other ministries, lots of other ministries around. When you put money in the Joash chest, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you into doing, listen, that is making a difference all over the world and in small churches around Kentucky and everywhere, it is a powerful thing. I encourage you to adopt this mindset if you win, I win. Is there someone currently in your life that you can look in the eye and say, listen, if you win, I win, my bank account is your bank account. My car is your car. 
doesn't matter. Even my good car, we've all got a good car in the back. Even my good car, you can use. I want you to pray about that. Is there someone in your life that you've got that? Let's move on. Number three, also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Just a simple idea. Cold is uncomfortable. Warm is comfortable. God put us in each other's lives to comfort each other during cold times. Now, let me just take a second and uh, give you an attaboy, as Jeff would say. Okay, Hope Church is great at this. You guys are wonderful when people are hurting, just surrounding them and hugging them and reaching out. Don't let that fade during this time of COVID. Find a new way to do it because we can't, we can't go drop off food all the time. We can't be with each other one at a time. Find a way to keep that culturally inside of Hope Church. God built us to warm one another during cold times. And you know I'm not talking about temperature. We're talking about during, during hard times in our lives. Last one, number four, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken, okay? Here's the thing. Here's the only way this cord works, okay? The cord is made up of three strands, right? If they're not together, it just don't work, frankly. They have to be together. They have to be either wound or braided, and they are exponentially stronger. I hope that makes sense. It's the simplest idea. They have to be together. They have to be united. And when that happens, it basically becomes a new entity. And that's what the, that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. When we're united as the body of Christ, we become that cord that is stronger than if we were individuals. Now, when we do mission teams in Honduras, we have people come down and it's a lot of adults. Sometimes there's kids involved. We do these little team building exercises that that help build the teams right when they arrive. Sometimes they know each other, sometimes they don't. One of the things we do is we separate them and we, we we get three or four, I pick out three or four guys or girls and I say simply, hey, make a good circle. And they kind of join up to one another and they shoulder to shoulder make a good circle. I will go and then pick one of the, one of maybe an elderly team member or one of the youngest team members. And I'll say, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go join that circle. Those are the only instructions I give. And this person will go and try to weasel into the circle. And the strength of that circle just automatically keeps them out, keeps that person out. Okay. Now, did I ever say anything to the effect of don't let anyone in the circle? No, I said, make a good circle. And then I tell this person, go join the circle. And 100 out of 100 times, that person does not get in that circle. And I ask, why didn't you let them in? And they just thought, well, we just assumed that we were supposed to keep the outsider out. And it is a powerful statement of of the mindset of letting people in and the heart that we as humans have in in the brokenness of the sin we have. And so I want to go into a little time, you know, Logan shared last week, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Okay, now remember, Solomon would separate the kingdom of heaven from the kingdom of earth. One's eternal, one's temporary. Jesus did the exact same thing, except in a super powerful way. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, I have come that you have life and have it to the fullest. You've got to know he's talking about our relationships with one another. So I want to go through three barriers Real quickly, three barriers to strong relationships and strong community. Remember, we're talking about strength and community, strength and relationships today, okay? Number one, 
the number one killer and barrier to strong relationships is being offended. Okay? This is this can happen in the easiest possible way. It can be a glance. It can be you walk by somebody without saying hi or you high five. It can be the slightest thing can offend someone. Okay? We all know this. We've all been offended. Some of you may be offended by someone right now, but that offense so quickly turns into something that drags us into, into sadness. It breaks relationship, and it's happened so easily. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to give you an image. When I was 12, 13, I was at church in Shelbyville, Kentucky, and we had this missionary who would come in to visit. His name's Pastor Tom, or Tom, Brother Tom Neely, and he was probably 90 years old the last time he was in and did this. And he got a, a table in front of everybody, one of those old folding tables, not the new pretty white ones, those wooden ones that look like fake wood that are always bowed in the middle and they fall and hurt your knees. Listen, so he lays me up on, he has me lay down on this table, right, in front of the whole group of people. And he says, okay, Justin, we're at your funeral, you're dead. And I'm so embarrassed already. And so he says, Justin, we're at your funeral and you're dead. He goes, now, imagine somebody comes up and spits on you. Imagine somebody comes up and, and says something terrible about your family or your mother. And I'm starting to just get a little upset. Why would they do that? Why, why, why would they do that to me? I didn't do anything. You know, all this. And he keeps going on like that. And I said, he said, now, how do you feel right now? I said, I'm, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm, it's, it's really disturbing. He goes, he goes, Justin, dead men can't get upset. Dead men can't be offended. He goes, I'm going to, and he read Galatians, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, the flesh is the one that would be offended. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus was spit on. People yelled insults at Jesus. He didn't fight back. He stayed silent and accepted it. He knew that he was going to be crucified and we are to be crucified with him. I want to encourage you to be unoffendable. I know that's a hard task, but it is part of our maturing in our faith is to be unoffendable and recognize that no matter what anybody says or offends us, we can, we can say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I hope that makes sense. Now, if you've been offended in a, in a pretty deep way, it's important to communicate with that person. And now we're going to go to the next one. Number two, barrier number two, conflict. Conflict is a killer. It kills strong relationships. It kills strong community. Okay? Conflict comes from, from a very simple source, our selfishness. I'm going to read, uh, I want to read uh, James 3. If you can go with me to James 3, um, starting in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life and by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor Bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Okay? Now, let me, let me just jump in here and, and clarify a few things. Um, when we talk about selfish ambition, that's any selfishness. That's any selfish craving you have, whether it be pride, whether it be you like to win an argument, whether it be that you think you're better than someone else, whatever it is that's causing conflict, whether you think your political party, which I 
It even hurts me to say that out loud. Whether whatever you think that is that you have more control over or you know more about, that selfish craving is the root of conflict in our lives. Because when he says disorder here, there you find disorder, that is conflict in relationships, in the relationship form. So what do we do? Listen, conflict is this interesting thing that if it's handled in the right way, it makes relationships stronger. So here we are. You find yourself in conflict with someone. You, the first thing is you always focus on the other person. We always want to focus on the other person's problem. They're wrong about this. Let me encourage you right now. Here's how we solve it. If selfish cravings and selfishness is the issue, we can only seek our own heart. We can never deal with the other person. That's between them and God. It's time for us to humble ourselves. It's time for us to recognize and seek our hearts for where there are selfish cravings inside and give those to God. It's, it's not, again, it's not rocket science, but it is painful. Then, Lord willing, the Holy Spirit guides us into some form of conviction for whatever the conflict is so that we can take responsibility for our part and we get to go to our brother or sister and say, I value you, I value our relationship more than this topic, more than this conflict. So I want to take responsibility for my part in this. I said this, I did this, I, whatever that situation might be. And you take responsibility, you give it to God, and I guarantee you will walk away with a stronger relationship. That's what we're talking about today. It's, it's an absolutely beautiful thing. Um, the, the third barrier. This one might sound a little funny, but it really plays a role in what's going on in our world today. Barrier number three, feeling unworthy through comparison. Okay, that this basic concept of when you compare yourself to someone else, you're causing pain for yourself. Okay, now we live in a world with social media, with the Instagrams and the Facebooks, where you're basically just watching other people's lives. Now, when we're trapped in our homes, you, you spend more time looking and scrolling through these social media and your mind automatically goes to a comparative state where you say, wow, they're canoeing and I'm watching an ep another episode of blank, whatever that might be. They're out there living life, what do I do? Whatever that might be, I wanna encourage you one thing, comparison has to stop. Comparison is actually like a competition. It's a competition against whatever the person in front of you is doing or, or living. But here's the problem with it. Whenever you compare, you lose. That competition you lose every time. So when you're comparing yourself to all these different people, you're going to find yourself in a situation that you're comparing and you're losing over and over again. It affects, your, it affects how you see yourself. And so you withdraw. How does that affect community? When you withdraw from people, from whatever's going on inside of you, you become discouraged. You pull back. Netflix has this incredible documentary um, called The Social Dilemma. And it talks about the guys who invented Facebook, invented the like button on Facebook. They said, hey, we were in this room and we thought, let's do something positive in the world. People will post a picture, let's make it to where you can like it. That'll make people feel good. They had no idea that what they were doing was showing people, how, putting a, a metric in place to where they could show people, uh, you're enough. You've got enough likes to feel good today or not enough likes. And they realize now what they did was so destructive because people don't get the likes they like. They feel bad about themselves and it just goes into this spiral. Here's the thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We don't measure our lives according to what other people think. 
and comparison has nothing to do with it, okay? We get this really cool picture from, from uh, 2 Corinthians, okay, you ready? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, okay? Here's why that's cool. You're a new creation. New creations eat differently than the old creation. This new creation, this life you have in Jesus Christ cannot be fed by the old comparisons from the world. Don't try to feed your new life that. Your new life is fed by the word of God, by serving, by, by healthy community. I encourage you, feed yourself the right things. Don't feed your new creation that's you. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your savior, don't feed it the old kind of food. It's not right. Your feet, you're eating the wrong things. Know that you're a new creation. You don't judge yourself by how other people live. You judge yourself by how God sees you, which is this beautiful child whom he loves so much. As we wrap up, I just want to say a couple of things. We get this really cool picture of Jesus um, when he's forming his disciples, right? He's picking them. Um, he didn't pick all of the same people. It seems like um, just from reading in, in our minds, they followed him. They all just got along. They all agreed on everything. But in reality, I don't know if you noticed, he actually picked a tax collector. A tax collector um, was pretty much seen as a traitor in Israel at the time. Israel was occupied by Rome. And so you get this guy who is a Hebrew person, a Hebrew man, who is working for Rome to collect taxes against his own people. He was looked at as a traitor. On the other side of that, he had several um, zealots who looked at, at Rome as the enemy of enemies. They wanted Jesus to go and stomp them out and free Israel. They probably saw, saw this text as a traitor. They were daggermen. They wanted a revolution against Rome, and they had a traitor on their squad. Yet when Jesus was the focus, they came together. Catch that. When Jesus is the focus, they came together. What a powerful, powerful statement to make. As in Ephesians, Paul, for the first time, is addressing the church and the people who make up the church and all of these in Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians. And prior to the early church, if you were going to worship, you were worshiping with someone, worshiping with someone that looked exactly like you. And someone that was the same sex as you, the same gender, they were exactly like you. But because of Jesus being who he is, the person he is, and how he unified us as one, for the first time in human history, we see Paul writing a letter and he says, Children, obey your parents, fathers, husbands, wives, slaves. We see Gentiles worshiping, we see Greeks worshiping with Hebrews. For the first time in human history, we have a church circled around Jesus that is every gen that is male, female, adult, child, slave, free, and of every race, all worshiping God for the first time. Okay? We come back to our original scripture. These three strands, okay? They have a purpose. And the only way these three strands works is if Jesus Christ is at the center of it. Because we have to be redeemed. 
Our sin is the root of all of it. These, these selfish ambitions, these, these painful things that we draw ourselves to as humans. But with Jesus, because he came, because he died on the cross for us, we're offered atonement for our sins. We don't deserve it. We deserve broken relationships. We deserve to die in our sin, but because Jesus came, we can get wholeness in relationships. Three strands, one purpose. And because Jesus is so amazing, he can reveal his gospel through our relationships. And more importantly, through the restoration of relationships. Maybe there's someone in your life, maybe it's a, a coworker, maybe it's a brother or sister, maybe you're in a blended family. Whatever, whatever the situation might be in our lives, if there's a broken relationship, know that we need to bring Jesus into it and see wholeness come. It's such a powerful thing. And then what happens is the world around us sees that restoration happen and it points them to Jesus. Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. What an incredible statement that I can look at you and say, I honor you. How can I serve you? If you win, I win. Let's protect our relationship because we value it because it represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, Hope Church, as we close out, I encourage you, don't settle for weak relationships. Don't settle for a weak community. Know that God has a plan to use your relationships that are strong, that are powerful, that represent his gospel to the world all around us. Thank you so much. Grace and peace. It's okay?